It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the New European Podcast. My name is Richard Porritt. I'm joined here in the library once again by my good friend Jerry Scott. Hello. We are going to talk uh, about the news first of all, then I'm going to be joined by the editor of the newspaper, Matt Kelly, and we're going to have a little bit of a look at uh, poor old Donald Trump's uh, latest conundrum, and we're going to link um, that to our own fine leader, Theresa May, and we're also even going to throw in a little bit of chat about Jeremy Corbyn and some problems we might see for him on the way ahead, so a bit of a leader special in the middle. And then we will pick our Brexiteer of the week um, at the end. But to start, Jerry, uh, one bit of news which somewhat got lost, I think, uh, in the week was the new APPG, the all-party parliamentary group on EU relations that has been set up by uh, Anna Subri, the Tory, of course, and Labour's Chukaramuna. Now, there have been, as we've spoken about on numerous occasions on this pod before, there has been calls for uh, Labour to work a bit more closely with the Tories. In fact, we saw Theresa May, didn't we, heard her earlier in the week, making something of a, a similar plea along those lines, seemingly, to Jeremy Corbyn. I don't think they meant this kind of um, collaboration, though, did they? I was going to say, I don't think it's really the kind of cross-party working she was after. No. Um, but I think it's it's really interesting, you know... Um, We've got the repeal bill, which lost, which has lost its great title, <laughs> yes. um, on its way uh, today. In fact, as we record, um, and uh, you know, it's an interesting time for it to happen. And to be honest, I do think it's important. It's important that those views are represented and that those MPs have their input. You can't just sneak it in via the back door. And there's lots of big names here. Joe Swinson. We've got Carolyn Lucas in there as well. These are people who can, who are well respected, and who can galvanise um, Remain MPs. I mean, th- this could become the real opposition. It could. It's really interesting. I-, I think it's really interesting. You've also still got Vince Cable on the sidelines maintaining Brexit might not happen, but mm. that's not... This group have been very clear that that's not what they're about and that it's more to stop a, stop a more hard Brexit. I think it's really important. I think behind the scenes as well, what the, what the group has been saying is that they are as much about getting the message out there that that it's not done and dusted yet and there is still lots of, certainly within the House, a lot of anger about the way we're going about Brexit and even the fact that it happened in the first place just because the two main parties seem to be very similar on their view that it it will happen and will happen in a certain way. There is lots of MPs who, who disagree so you know, we we describe ourselves as the voice of the forty eight percent. I think these are these are our elected representatives. 
is there a restriction to their power? How how powerful do you think they might be? What would be a what would be success for this all party uh, parliamentary group? You know, we were talking the other week, weren't we, about the power of backbenchers, and with with such a slim majority, even with the support of the DUP, um, I think Theresa May should be concerned that her backbenchers aren't all necessarily on her side. Um, I think really there are such deep divisions in the Tory party, in Labour, that they could really have some power here. Yeah, the, uh, this is the potential for for a whole new uh, new type of Tory bastards, I think, um, <laughs> to, that could cause the leader some, some real trouble. Uh, more trouble, of course, uh, uh, across in, in Brussels, uh, Giva Hofstad calling, um, calling Theresa May's citizenship offer. This, uh, this is the offer for, for EU citizens. Uh, in this in this country, and who will want to remain after Brexit, called it a damp squib, carried a risk of creating a second-class citizenship. Jerry, I know that negotiations are, are very much uh, the 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 bulk of them are very much still to come. Is this posturing from Brussels? Because I, I can you know the, I can see both sides of the story with this one. I have to admit. I find actually the offer from Theresa May really weird. I find it really unnecessarily complicated, which mm. I suppose is the headline you could put over these whole negotiations. But, <laughs> Unnecessary uh, <laughs> and complicated. Um, but I just find it really odd. And I I don't know, I suppose my opinion is that the the EU offer look, does look a lot more straightforward. Um, mm. Why why make more hard work for yourself? Um, do I think it's posturing? Possibly, but they do have the final say, don't they? So it's not incorrect. By the time you listen to next week's pod, we will be in summer recess. So lots of desks being uh, tidied and tidied away and lots of casework being uh, indulged in rather than much else really around Parliament. I think there's very much wind down in the in the Palace of Westminster in the last two or three days that will continue next week. Lots of lots of uh, drinks parties and things uh, booked in for next week. So lots of cheap, sharp white wine for me next week. But I was wondering, over the summer, there's still these talks, isn't there, Jerry, about these whispers about whether there will be a plot during the summer to, to oust Theresa May. So I wondered if we could look at all three parties. We tend to have plots in the summer and leadership challenges in the summer for Labour. I think that's unlikely. But if there is going to be a challenge over the summer, conferences looming... Where's it going to come from in the Tory party, Jerry? Well, to be honest, I, I don't think there will be one because I think I think they'll keep her and kind of um, let her die on a sword a bit. Um, but if there was one, do you know what I'd really like to see it come from Philip Hammond? I know it's a bit left field, but I'd really like to see it come from Philip Hammond because I just I I think he'd I think he'd relish it to be honest. But he's already found his voice, hasn't he? He's already caught. He's already a real thorn in the in in her side in the last few weeks. He is, but put the boot in a bit more. Yeah, yeah, but maybe I think I, I agree with you. I don't think it's going to be a challenge. We're playing you know fantasy politics here, really, aren't we? But, it's my favourite game. Yeah, but it would be great fun, and Philip Hammond would be would be a fantastic challenger. If he, if anyone's going to do it, they're going to have to do it in the next four or five days, really, aren't they? I think it's highly unlikely, <laughs> but. There are lots of plots going on within Labour, but surely no one's going to try and be daft enough to try and stand force a leadership challenge against Corbyn in the summer. So, what kind of plots will be will be going on behind the scenes uh, on on the on the beaches and, uh, and and the summer houses of the Labour MPs? For Labour, I think it's just not letting that bubble burst, isn't it? And if there are any kind of plots that can stop that happening, then all for the better. I think 
really what they're going to be looking at is maybe momentum. We spoke about momentum last yes. week, trying to constrain that and pull that in a bit um, and just maintain their reputation, I suppose, try and keep kind of a clean slate. I think that I think that's very true. I think there's going to be lots of lots of talk at these uh, warm Prosecco events um, in the next few weeks and, and beyond into the summer and right the way through into conference about about um, momentum and whether and whether there's anything the right can do to try and halt them. I almost think that the, the right of the party and the moderates in the party need to try and halt momentum before they even considered getting someone forward towards the mm-hmm. leadership candidacy. And the Lib Dems, I suppose Vince could plot against himself. Yeah, I mean, he's the only one, isn't he? So what's going to happen there? Nothing. <laughs> OK, uh, that's the news. I'll be speaking to Matt Kelly next. Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to The New European. Your first 13 issues of The New European are only £13 when you join us and become a subscriber. Order by telephone by calling 01858 438840 and quoting Podcast One, or order online at our website, www.neweuropean.co.uk. Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to The New European. Welcome back. I'm joined by Matt Kelly, the editor of The New European. Hi, Matt. Hello. Um, we're going to have a, a bit more of an in-depth look at two leaders who've, who've got themselves in, in hot water. Donald Trump, firstly, and our very own Theresa May. Um, Matt, Donald and his son have got in a bit of bother. What do you think about this email and about the meeting with the Russian lawyer? Well, I think it's potentially disastrous for them. For him, for Junior in particular, because despite all the, the bluster and the kind of you know he went on Hannity that was bizarre by the way and if anyone hasn't seen that they should watch that if they want to understand what Fox News is all about the handshake from Sean Hannity to Donald Trump Jr I just thought it sent a chill it was like the club you know they are a club these people these sort of crypto right wing sort of fruitcakes (laughs) and and he was at home you know and it was like the home interview and uh, and he said you know it was a nothing meeting 20 minutes, it was a waste of time. But bollocks, mate. Go back to the emails and read the emails. They are absolutely explicit in their intent. This uh, person, whether or not she was uh, acting on behalf of the Russian government, we'll never know. But uh, in the email, she makes it explicit that she is. In the email, she makes it explicit that she has got dirt on Hillary Clinton. These are... You know, the US is very, very constitutionally clear about this kind of stuff. It's absolutely forbidden to accept support from foreign governments or foreign entities in an election. And the argument is whether that just means cash or not. But acts in kind, I suspect, will be seen in this case. But the, the ethically, the idea that the politically active son of a presidential candidate is proactively seeking out a meeting with somebody who says, a Russian lawyer who says they've got dirt on Hillary Clinton is just extraordinary. And of course, it now, I think, flips the balance of credibility towards the the purveyors of fake news, as Donald Trump calls it, also known as the New York Times, yeah. CNN, the Washington Post, these people who have been covering the United States for hundreds of years uh, I think any rational person would look at it now and say, this is starting to stink. The trouble is, in the middle of America, people, I think, have bought into the idea that there is a sort of conspiracy against 
against Trump. So it looks like if you follow the arc of, of why Trump has been going on about fake news for so long, I think it's all been about this moment. Yeah. So that the credibility of his attackers is eroded. Not completely, but eroded to a degree where he can ride it out. So it's going to have to come from from within Capitol Hill, the challenge. It won't be the public mood that, that goes against him, but from within Capitol Hill, I think people will start moving against him now. Because, of course, uh, foreign foreign nations have lent support, haven't they, for candidates? I think the Ukraine was quite supportive of Hillary Clinton's campaign, but the difference is they aren't offering any actual thing of value, whereby information... Um, whereas information about Hillary Clinton that could be damaging is certainly a thing of value, isn't it? And also, there's a, it, it's it's really hard to imagine. Maybe I'm wrong, I don't know. But it's really hard to imagine this being reversed. You know, it's really hard to imagine that the Clintons would have taken that meeting. Mm. Especially when you look at how dodgy it all was. I mean, this guy who's the intermediary, this British showbiz yeah. journalist. Rob uh, Goldstone. Yeah. I mean... You know, f- frankly, I've never met Rob, but really, is that the kind of guy that you would say, let me bring you into the heart of my presidential campaign? Yeah. <laughs> and then a, a random Russian lawyer popping up on the scene. Yeah. And and the fact that it wasn't just Donald Jr. who took the meeting, but he dragged in Kushner as well. Yeah. Yeah. This says to me that these guys are prepared to deal with whoever it takes to do whatever it takes. Yeah. And that, I, I'm afraid is certainly, uh, well, it goes beyond distasteful. I think it starts to creep into potentially criminal. Now, obviously this is a huge story all over the world, but how does our closeness to America and and to the Trump administration, our as in Britain's Mm. and our government's, start to make us look? Because we saw the the G20 last weekend, Theresa May was talking about how confident Donald Trump was in in Britain being a success after Brexit and was boasting about this trade, the trade deal that's going to be done very quickly, according to Donald Trump. I mean, it seems that the, it seems that it was the G18 and then and then Theresa and Donald in the corner cozying up. I think there's some truth to that, and we've said from the off just how unseemly it was for Theresa May to rush to to be the first to to grasp the Donald's hand and it and in a such an obviously supplicant manner you know that's what's a bit galling Mm. you know if there is a special relationship it's special because it's so one-sided you know Mm. we Mm. are at their beck and call to be fair to Theresa May I think that's a long-term chronic uh, issue with Britain's relationship with America I've always found it a bit sort of pathetic frankly yeah certainly during the Blair years yeah, it, 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 this sort of de- sense of dependency and the, and the, you know, you suspect that there's not much talk in Washington about the special relationship, but no. it's all anyone's talking about in Westminster, which tells you how one-sided it is. Um, and I think uh, it's a bit desperate for us to be pinning so much on this US trade deal, because not because um, uh, I think it's it's craven, which I do. But because I suspect it won't come anywhere close to matching the trade we're about to lose in the European Union. Yeah. You know, France is 20 miles away. Mm. America's thousands of miles away. Mm. And there is this basic tenant of economic reality, which is you double the distance, you halve the trade. And mm. 
the idea that we could replicate the benefits of trading with the EU27 on our doorstep with a deal with America, which is, you know, despite what Trump says, Trump's the kind of guy who'll tell you what you want to hear, give you a soundbite, move on in the absolute confidence that you'll never have to deliver on it, yeah. you know. So, yeah, fine, here's your trinket, right, thank you. Does that shut you up, Mrs May? Thank you, off we go. And then, as he did the first time, if Angela Merkel phones him up next week and asks him about a trade deal with the EU, he'll say yes to that as well. Yeah. So you're talking about a very fickle guy, mm. and the idea that we as a nation are pinning economic uh, prosperity on this guy is just beyond belief. But we are. So there, there's Brexit in a nutshell, anybody who's interested. You know, this is what we've got going for us now. Uh, the whim of a fickle president who you can't pin down for a moment. We've got a prime minister desperate for some sort of affirmation from anybody. Um, meanwhile, you've got the EU27. Absolutely, as, as I said in, in a, an article I wrote for Politico, conspicuously unasked about anything we're saying. Yeah. You know, That's yeah. the scary thing for me. They yeah. are just so unbothered about mm. our position. And in any negotiation... That should scare you. It should unnerve you when the opponent you're negotiating with is just not that bothered. Mm. And they aren't. You know, Barnier versus Davis. Oh, my God. You know, it's like Ali versus, you know, um, Piers Morgan. You know, there's only <laughs> going to be one winner. It might be entertaining. One might be gobby the, gobbier than the other. But I'm afraid the knockout is only coming from one corner. Yeah. And, because Theresa May maybe should be shedding a tear about that rather than what she is shedding a tear about. Oh, man. I just find this, the PR around Theresa May, I don't know who's given her advice, but it's not good. You know, no. we've just been through some cataclysmic events in this country. Uh, things that have really shaped society. Things that she should be expressing emotion about. And the thing she's gone on to Five Live to talk about the moment she shed a tear was when Philip wandered in to say the exit poll is really bad. And... Uh, you know, even if that's true, the thing she should be talking about crying over is Grenfell Tower, mm. frankly. Mm. That's where she needs to make up ground in the public's assessment of her humanity. Mm. Not the night you got some personal bad news, love. Mm. You know, it's the night that you heard that there'd been hundreds of people potentially killed in Grenfell Tower. But it, I, I'm not sure if it really matters for her anymore. I mean, she's not daft. She, she realises that she is a leader now who who's not going to ever win another election she do you, well do you, is that an assumption you well, can make well it is an assumption I, maybe she doesn't maybe you're maybe you're right but uh, but the people around her must realize that and isn't this just about the party stumbling through brexit blaming it all on her getting a new leader and starting again so it doesn't really matter if theresa may cries over this or i think she's desperately uh, awkward in public i suspect she's a shy woman and actually doesn't like all of this uh, or she's aloof to it you know she doesn't really see that that this is something she should be demonstrating mm. I, I don't know it's unfair to, to judge all I can tell you is the visible output is frankly at odds with what this country needs right now which is somebody who can make a connection with people and she can't you know that that was I don't think it was about policies or Brexit or, or anything. I think the real way the that that uh, election backfired on her was that people just didn't connect to her, mm. and that, and you can 
maybe the evidence of that is how well people did connect to Corbyn. You know, despite the fact that 79% of Labour voters are firmly anti-Brexit, there's still a, a great groundswell of approval for Corbyn because mm. he's sincere mm. and, and makes a connection. You know, mm. that goes a long, long way. He, I mean, obviously, he will come into real difficulty when when the conflict between how he sounds and acts comes into in conflict with, with what people actually want him to deliver, which yeah. increasingly, without question, is moving, the sentiment is moving away from Brexit. Yeah. You know? yeah. So people's views on Brexit are firming up pretty much, but Corbyn's views on the EU are, are very firm. And and I think go back a long, long way. have got more to do with the militarisation yeah. of Europe and what Europe and NATO mean as a, as a sort of military force in the world. Uh, I think that's where Corbyn's kind of dislike for the mm-hmm. EU comes from. Mm. And that was but, very common in the Labour Party yeah, in the late 70s. No, totally. 80s, yeah. So, so you know, the guy is sincere, no doubt about it. And he says what he means and he's got... The reason he can be so confident on the stump and standing in front of a crowd at Glastonbury is that, unlike Theresa May, everything he says is an absolute consequence of his conviction. Mm. That's why Theresa May is so bloody awkward. Everything she says is, goes against her conviction. Yeah. So, you know, uh, but... N- Notwithstanding that, Corbyn's convictions on Europe are entirely at odds with what most Labour supporters want, and especially what young Labour supporters want. So you've got this very weird dynamic now where you've got people who want him to do well because he's sincere and you can see that, but actually what he's going to do is against what they want him to do. So do you think that for for Jeremy then there is trouble ahead... Um, with regards to to Brexit, no doubt about it. Yeah, no doubt about it. Not just, you see, for the first time, he is facing a conflict with uh, not just the PLP, but he's also going to be facing a conflict with the big grassroots movement that is behind him. And at some point, he is going to have to articulate his support for Brexit, mm. in a, and that will come in the way of a vote. You know, he will whip people to support Brexit, and. Uh, at that point, there'll be a, a fissure in both the Labour Party and the Tory Party. You know that Brexit is the issue that is going to break these two parties apart. Absolutely. So just before we go, Trump or May? Who who will go first? Oh, May, without a doubt. Trump will see this out because the the thing. I mean, I think I'm not saying anything remotely new or even interesting. Here. The impeachment process, such a red herring. Isn't that's never going to happen? Mm. Trump will see out his. Do you his think first. he'll do eight years then? No. I can't see it. But then, you know, I do remember... I mean, I don't think the two things are remotely analogous, but I remember when Bush got in, everybody said, this is a huge anomaly. It's, you know, how how have they let this happen? But then Bush obviously saw out his, his uh, two terms yeah. and um, without any, any problem. So, yeah, I think... I, I hope and pray that it, this will, will look back and just say that was a... An anomalous thing because I don't think anything's going to really get done on American politics. You know, he's not making any progress. You look at what Obama had achieved already by now in his first term. Trump hasn't scratched the surface. No, they're just firefighting, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Okay, Matt. Thanks very much. You're welcome. Brexiteer of the week. Welcome back. Um, we are now going to crown our Brexiteer of the week. But firstly, the good news. Next week. 
I'm told Steve Anglesey will be back and on Brexiteer of the Week duties. It, it's lots of fun putting this together, um, but it's actually quite hard cramming it down to just 10, Jerry. So I've done my very best in the paper this week. We're just going to pick a few to talk about now. My favourite, I think, MP in the last week, and that's not because we agree on anything, but because simply he's a comic character, is Jacob Rees-Mogg. I think he was he was hilarious on Question Time. And it, it, it led me to uh, to look through some of the pictures of him from the campaign. I, I particularly like the one of him and his son. Did you see that? In suits yeah, outside yeah, yeah. the tattoo parlour, <laughs> which said vote Labour. And uh, he, suggested, he suggested that he would take his custom elsewhere <laughs> next time he was going to have a full-sleeve tattoo. But he's good. He, he, he's great fun, even though he talks complete nonsense across. He's good fun. If that's all you want from an MP, then he's perfect. But he, uh, he was talking about Brexit negotiations this week, and this is why he made it into to the Brex factor in the paper. Um, and he said that we need to be stronger, we need to be harder with the EU and not to, uh, to uh, roll over and have our um, tummies tickled. It's a strange a strange thing for him to say and a strange vision, frankly, of, uh, of, of the EU tickling uh, Jacob <laughs> Rees-Mogg's uh, tummy. Utter nonsense, Jerry, isn't it? It is utter nonsense. Jacob Rees-Mogg always makes me laugh because I always imagine him turning up to debates on like a penny farthing or something like yes. that. Um, absolutely. But it, but it is ridiculous because I don't... Um, what position are we in to well everyone else seems to think we're in a position to go in um with a, with a hard nose but what, what kind of position are we in to say at the moment that we can't that we can't kind of roll over i'm it's sure odd odd i'm thing. sure nanny used to um tickle jacob rees mogg's tummy I, the, my favorite jacob rees mogg story was the time when he was he was outside uh, as a child and the sun was shining and they, I, I was at some event, um, I can't just remember what it was, but in order to stop the sun shining on the back of his neck, Nanny opened a book and stood there with the book, <laughs> shielding his neck. Um, oh, the is, unsung but, heroes. <laughs> but we should say congratulations, because child number six has just arrived, mm. so that's someone else to go campaigning uh, with Jacob Rees-Mogg in years to come. Um, Colin Galloway uh, is a UKIP councillor, and every UKIP councillor has got some kind of bonkers and and Colin certainly has. He's got the nasty type of bonkers, I think. Though he says that that we should, the police should help clean up unwelcome detritus on the streets. Now, at first glance of this comment, I thought that is a reasonably sensible suggestion from you, Kip, because you often see police walking around. They're very busy, but they could have those little picky up stick things. They could. They could. They could <laughs> when you know when people drop litter, they could pick it up. Give them a bag or something yeah. on the beat. Yeah. I thought you know cost cost cutting. <laughs> Before we get letters of complaint from the Police Federation, I'm completely joking. I don't think that the bobbies on the beach should be collecting litter. But I certainly don't think the same as Colin Galloway, because he wasn't talking about rubbish. He was talking about homeless people. And he said, these beggars, vagrants, rough sleepers, homeless, troubled folks, or whatever label you want to put on them, must be removed from our city. He he'd previously said that all people without a job who weren't born here should be deported as well. Um, he's got some very strong views. He reminds me of Travis Bickle, Taxi Driver. Uh, Have right, you ever okay. seen that film? I, um, my film knowledge is not the so best. You've not seen Jerry Maguire. You've not seen Taxi Driver. No. I think we should get some. I think we should get you watching some films, Jerry. I think I, you need to watch Taxi Driver before <laughs> next week's Deal. pod and tell us about it. The opening, um, the opening speech, or it's a diary entry actually, in that film is very much like Colin Galloway. So I imagine he'll be turning up with a Mohican. 
um, before too long uh, at council meetings. David Davis has also made it into Brexiteer of the Week. He hosted a gathering for business leaders at his grace and favour home. Very posh it is too. Um, he shares it with Boris and Liam Fox, of course, although I don't think they're there at the same time. Um, but that would be a great sitcom. And But it didn't go down too well. I think the business world was very hopeful about this this gathering because the Tories, since Cameron left, haven't been that close to business, really, and they saw this as maybe a, a chance to for that to change and for relationships to improve. But strangely, he seems to have um, forgotten about some of the things that make these things go well, like air conditioning. Um, one of the delegates um, reported being very sweaty. And the food, I'm told, was unmemorable. Now, you're you're feeding rich, posh people, basically, when these people come around. You'd expect they'd do something a little bit more than cucumber sandwiches. Well, and I kind worst... of hope it doesn't reflect on his negotiating skills. I don't like to think that he, you know, went to a caterer and said, I want a lavish meal, and they've said, oh, you can have some finger sandwiches <laughs> and some Robinson squash, and that's what he could serve well, up. Absolutely. And it, if, this was, if this was him putting a squeeze on businesses, then imagine... Um, the uh, Brexit negotiators should, should probably turn up in uh, in you know their vest and pants. Bermuda shorts next yes, time. <laughs> absolutely, um, he'd probably turn in the heating up on those guys. Um, and there was no booze either. What a booze! Not much of a party, is it really? I'm not sure it's supposed to be a party, but it is <laughs> a rather strange thing. I'll tell you what, though, the most incredible thing about. Brexiteer of the week this week is that Nigel Farage isn't even in the running. It's odd. It feels feels strange. <laughs> but he is an utter. F- but the Brexiteer of the Week this week is Anne-Marie Morris. She's a massive lever. That alone is bad enough. But frankly, what she said at the beginning of the week at a meeting of uh, Eurosceptics was uh, completely unacceptable. And it's not very funny either. Uh, and I'm certainly not going to um, I'm not going to use the bleep even to repeat it. Jerry, without wanting to get too serious, because we shouldn't do that in Brexiteer of the Week... She's had the whip removed. Should she, I mean, her future should be in doubt, really, as a Tory MP, shouldn't it? Yeah, it was completely unacceptable. Um, but what was also unacceptable was John Redwood saying, you know, that he didn't notice and that he wasn't paying attention because it, it's not just a slip of the tongue. It's not something you don't notice. And actually, what is also shocking is what has been reported in the days following, the amount of MPs who have said this phrase in the past... Why is it in normal everyday use? It's ridiculous. Well, it certainly shouldn't be, and 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 um, of course, Anne Marie is a is a 2010 Cameron intake, so you you kind of hope that this was dead and gone with the very much with the old school, but it seems not. I think um, although Anne Marie Morris is uh, Brexit of the week, I think special mention, as you say, for John Redwood and Bill Cash, who were on the panel with her and said absolutely nothing. So there it is. Anne Marie Morris is. That was the New European Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed it, please do subscribe, like it, tell your friends. If you like the podcast and don't already, subscribe to the paper as well, or at least go and buy a copy. It's a very special edition this week. We've gone tabloid. We're really proud of it. And there's bags more stuff in there. Join us online if you want to see the archive of our work on there. It's www.theneweuropean.co.uk. Until next week.
I've been told that I say frankly too much. Do you? Yeah. No. So we're going to have a buzzer. Is that, is that in a review? <laughs> no, it wasn't, it, it wasn't in a review. It was a colleague. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.